Hello, Mixed Nutcases. This is Nuke Chas. And today we've got an episode of Nutty Bites for you that might seem out of the ordinary. We're going to talk about... Hakioi! Or, <clears throat> I mean sports. Sorry. With me today, I have... You've already heard him. Hi, I'm Tech. And we're going to talk about why we love sumo. Now, it may seem strange to hear us talk about sports on this show as a topic. I know that Jason often tries to bring in sports, uh, yeah, much does. to my silence, but this is more than a sport. The, and, and one of the, one of the, the, the rare sports that, the, the only sport I know that I can get you to sit down and watch. Uh, other than the Olympics. Right. Other than the Olympics. Nutty does love herself some Olympics. Absolutely. So we have, thanks to COVID, fallen in love with sumo. Yeah. So sumo is a bit of a weird sport, and I know I can hear the sound of the internet shutting this podcast off at this point. Absolutely. I, I want to preface this discussion by saying to the three people that are still here that we're not going to get bogged down in terminology, and we're not going to get bogged down with the stats and the the minutia of this. We, we want to kind of just grace the wave tops and tell you guys why we love this sport so much and why it's fun. And why somebody who's not interested may want to or become interested because really it's a sport for geeks. Oh, it is. Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of sports can be for geeks if you want to look at them in certain ways. Uh, I will say this about sumo. There's three general ways that fans come to sumo. Mm. There's three big avenues. One, it, it is, it's a fighting sport. So fight fans, people who like boxing or other forms of wrestling, um, may be interested. The other, the other way people join, uh, pe- people join the fandom of sumo is, uh, they come from the martial arts. That from a martial arts background, you game, recognize game, and you respect other martial artists, you know, doing what they do with the best in the world. Or, uh, uh, some people come to sumo out of a love of the Japanese culture and Japanese tradition and history because there's a lot of that. This sport's a thousand years old. Sumo is, uh, I believe you said it's the last banyan of samurai culture. It is. It, it is, is the last Budo, like where you're living, you're breathing, everything is that one Budo art. Like this is your job. Like yeah. the, the the guys that are in professional sumo, they do this for a living and they live in their stable and most of them, except the guys at the very tippy top, don't make any money. They get a small allowance from the government because this is all run by the Japanese Ministry of Culture. Yes. And they get paid a salary. They have medical benefits. They have a pension when they retire at 65 years old. Uh, they have a hierarchy so they can get into coaching, but these guys, they live, they breathe, they eat. Well, they eat a lot of chonkonabe, but a lot of chonko, which <laughs> but, is a delicious soup. If which you is haven't heard us talk about awesome it before. sumo stew, but because it is that last bastion of, of Budo, of, you know, the Japanese samurai culture, that's why they wear the crazy haircuts. That's why the referees are wearing them silk robes that make them kind of look like, like pimps. That's why, um, there's the, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that's a thousand years old that follows the sport because it comes from this cultural history that they are preserving and they're protecting it. You know, that's why there's only allowed one foreigner per stable. That's why the sport is only in Japanese because they're working very, very hard to keep it as it's always been. Now, if you've watched any anime, you may have learned that as a culture, the Japanese take things very seriously and you can earn ranks and levels 
in everything. Oh, yeah. From, for instance, many of you may be familiar with martial arts where you can earn what we call in North America a black belt. In Japanese, a shodan, first dan, first belt, first degree, first grade. And then you work your way up. There are those dons and gradings in other arts. Yeah, Flower well, arranging. Yeah, one of our, one of our great teachers, uh, sensei, sensei Amos Parker, was a ninth degree black belt in Aikido, as well as a fifth degree black belt or a, a, a fifth don in flower arranging. Yes. Which and, I think is Ikebana. I, that, that sounds right, but go ahead, correct us if we're wrong. Mm. I'm sure we are. Um, and, and so they have this for everything from cake making to go playing and all of that. And the, the sumo wrestlers, they have their own rankings, but in addition to the wrestlers are the referees, the guys wearing the cool robes, the guy that calls the names mm-hmm. uh, and sings out their names and claps the wooden sticks, the the guy who cuts their hair, um, every the, role. The guy who sweeps the ring in between mm-hmm. matches, the Yobidashi, they all have... Uh, they all have ranks. They all have positions. They all have, you know, careers. And and they this. they work their way up. So mm-hmm. as you get to the higher ranked uh, wrestlers, you are going to get higher ranked referees, guys sweeping up, hairdressers, etc. And so it's really uh, just very beautiful the idea of dedicating oneself so much to one thing. Um, as someone with ADD, I dedicate myself to many things you know that whole joke of uh jack of all trade master of none uh yeah because i need to constantly be stimulated but i do appreciate so that dedication i can i can hear somebody i can mm. hear somebody right now saying but tech yes friend all i see when i see sumo is two fat dudes hitting each other mm. like what is that even okay so at it's really simplest you have two dudes in a ring and then uh, the dude in the robes standing behind them to make sure it's fair. The first person to leave the ring or touch the ground with anything other than the soles of his feet loses. They can't punch, they can't kick, they can't rip out the eyes, and they can't grab the groin. It's pretty much it for the rules. Oh, he can't grab the hair. Yeah. And now this, that internet it. friend is also saying, but why are they all fat? Well, it's because there's no weight classes. You know, if you look at boxing or wrestling... You know, you're divided into lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight, super heavyweight classes to keep it fair. Well, in sumo, that doesn't exist. You run what you brung. So a larger opponent tends to have an advantage because they're able to impose their will easier upon a smaller opponent. So traditionally, they have always been the biggest and strongest. Some of them get very, very big. It doesn't work when you're super huge. Like there was that one guy that weighed over 600 pounds. He couldn't move very good. He was just too big. And there's there's sometimes when somebody gains a lot of weight on purpose to be more imposing in the ring, but they don't keep up with their weight training or other training that they're doing to keep their muscles ready for that weight. Mm-hmm. And it takes them time to adjust or they're just not as powerful. Plus, you know, uh, the bigger you are, Mm-hmm. the more prone to injury you are because yes. that is a lot of impact that you're putting you know just living at 350 or 400 pounds is very hard on the joints the but the bigger you are the harder you fall 
A hundred percent. And now you are falling because you are being thrown by a dude that's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and it is a, you know, and they fight on clay, on compacted clay. It doesn't give. It's basically slippy concrete. Yeah. Like the, it, it pays its toll. So, so they're not this, all big though. They're not all big. I mean, the smallest, the smallest ones out there. In the, in the professional ranks are about the 220 pound mark. Yep. Generally, the really, uh, y- your typical sumo wrestler is six foot, six foot one, about 350 pounds. Yeah. So, uh, in North America, y- you know, the parts of the world where I'm from, it's like you'd consider a big farm boy. A <laughs> farm boy, yes. Yeah. Big farm boy type, well, you know? It, it's funny you say that because every time I see someone, um, from say Eurasia joining the sumo ranks, that's exactly what I think. Mm-hmm. Is, is they're a big farm boy, mm-hmm. um, and and it's wild that we don't have ranks or sorry weight classes because you could have a four hundred pound wrestler going up against a two hundred pound wrestler. But it doesn't mean that the 400-pound wrestler is going to win. No, because that 200-pound wrestler, to get to where he is, means he's good. He's good. He's faster. He's often able to get in there. And Pound uh, for pound, they're generally stronger. They're generally stronger because if they're not able to gain weight the traditional methods, they're having to do it. By packing on extra muscle. Well, if if I can give a bit of personal experience yeah. here, you know, I'm a lightweight martial artist. Mm-hmm. I always have been. I and I I have um, done a little bit of wrestling and a little mm-hmm. bit of jujitsu type stuff. And all the time, I've always lined up against a bigger, heavier opponent, and they always look at me and they always say the same joke. They go, huh, "Look at you, you're too little. All they have to do is sit on you." And my answer has always been the same. So, like, do you think you're the first big guy that's tried? Mm-hmm. Like, do you not think at this point in my career, as a little cocky loudmouth, that I am used to getting squished by big guys? I I am very accustomed to fighting from the underdog position. And, you know, I win some. I lose a lot more. But those days when you beat the big guy, oh, man. Well, and, and the thing is, it's like, well, what's the, it all depends on the big guy you're facing. Oh, yeah. You know, is the big guy I'm facing somebody who's never done anything and thinks that they can just push me around? Or is this a big guy that actually has technique, like a certain, um, six, seven sensei I'm thinking of? Oh. That, yeah. 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 The six foot seven former Navy diver hands like lunch boxes. <laughs> but, yeah, and he, that, okay. He, 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 he there's only one. There's only one applicable term for his reach. That is a wingspan. I mean, the dude. This is has also got a arms. person that is good at everything that they do. So, yeah. <laughs> doctor degree. Um, yeah, and, uh, and the nicest guy on the planet. Let's now. So, one thing that some people might be saying: you keep saying guys. What about women? And you see, if if I could reach into my magic crystal ball. And make a wish and change one thing about sumo is that because it is based on traditional Japanese religious ceremonies, because sumo started off as a ceremony that you would do to wish a good harvest. And if you look at the modern wrestling ring now, there's this little roof over top with these four, they're not pillars, but they're tassels, and it's to represent 
the shrine, the, right, the, the temple. Right, the temple. And, you know, they, they represent the four directions of the compass. They represent the four seasons, the four elements. You know, there's, there's a lot of, a, a lot of symbolism in that because they're, they, you know, they, they stamp out the evil spirits and they throw salt to purify the ring and they do all this. And because it is a religious ceremony in Japanese culture, women are not allowed to touch the ring. And, women do not exist in sumo. There's even a case from a few years ago where they've had to change it, where there were two nurses that were watching an event and it was the mayor of the local town had stepped up on the ring to present a certificate to one of the winners and the mayor slipped and fell and hit his head and was suffering from a a head and neck trauma. He had a, a, a medical emergency and these two nurses who were watching came up and, you know, stabilized his head and started to perform first aid. And they were shooed away by security that we'll wait till the men show up. Like he could die. Yeah. Yeah. And they were willing to accept the death. Yeah. And they've now relaxed some of those rules in the case of like emergency medical personnel. And we can be, uh, we can criticize and say as a culture, there's misogyny, there's racism. This is, this is a known thing. It's, it, it's, but it, in this case, it's all in the effort to preserve that history. Right. Because so, they are the only one that still is that faithful to tradition. So in amateur sumo, uh, women are allowed to wrestle. They do have a women's division. Yep. Uh, in world sumo, there is a women's division. Um, in, and same thing in Japan, I think it's elementary school sumo. I think under the age of 11. Uh, I believe it goes up to high school. There's a, uh, documentary on Netflix called Little Miss Sumo about mm-hmm. a high school aged, uh, sumo wrestler. Yeah, but I don't think they fight with them, with the boys is what I'm no, saying. No, you're right. It's ele- not co-ed. Like yeah. elementary school sumo. Yes. At the younger ages, I think under 10 or 10 or 11. Right. Anyway, they all fight together. So when we normally say sumo, we are talking grand sumo. It is the Japanese sumo. It is, uh, the top you know, divisions. The, yeah, it's the top divisions, but it is, it is that Japanese sport that it, you are government of Japan employees. Right. And then world sumo is not connected. No, it is uh, run by amateurs. It's an entire separate sporting organization and it's amateur sport and it's pretty cool, but it's not the same. Right. And then, and then the, the amateur sumo is much more akin to like, okay, there's the NFL and then there's your high school team or your, you know, what do they call it? Popcorn football team and things like that. Not to dismiss. And, and or anything like that. It's just there's a difference. There's also those adult leagues mm-hmm. that are not part of, say, NFL or something else. Now they wear that um, sumo wrestlers wear that silk belt, that that that, that silk wrap. You're trying so hard not to say the Japanese and right because I just don't want to add a lot of Japanese terms to this. But they wear that silk belt. But in uh, women's sumo and world sumo, uh, they traditionally wear like bike shorts or something yeah. underneath it. And it causes no difference to the rules. Yep. Women's, you know, men fight uh, naked except for that belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and in world sumo, there's depending on the the where the man's from or mm-hmm. or whatever. I've seen men wear the bike shorts too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then in women's sumo, uh, they'll wear like a rash guard or like a sports bra top. But the, all of the rules are the same. You're still not allowed to grab the fabric. Yeah. So it's like it wasn't there. So there's no difference uh, to the rules. Yeah. Uh, every, everything is still the same. Um, 
So, I guess kind of a long-winded intro. Mm-hmm. I have to ask Nutty, mm. why on earth of all of the sports that you could watch, why are you... I forgot a fourth reason why people get into sumo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's... Why are you watching three-quarter naked dudes smash into each other in front of a priest and an audience on a clay pit in Japan somewhere? For 15 days every two months. For 15 days every two months. Why is this your chosen form of entertainment? So there's a a couple of things that make me love it, but how we got into it to begin with is we've always kind of looked at sumo being martial artists. We practice Aikido. And uh, we've always kind of looked in and was like, yeah, yeah, there's some similarities. But it was never so much that we went out to figure out how can we watch this. But at the beginning of COVID and struggling, I mean, even though we work or I work from home already, uh, tech had to start working from home. And it just meant there was a lot of not actually going out, not actually practicing. And we started looking for more than just, you know, fiction. And it started with watching old Olympics events. And eventually you stumbled upon the sumo and watching some old sumo. Well, I've been watching it for years at this point. Had you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I did not know. You must have been doing it when I was unaware. And then you, you started showing me and I started noticing how they move, they're moving from their hips, and I can watch their muscles. And as an artist, by the way, I am very interested in seeing the human body, seeing the muscles and how they connect. That's always something that is interesting to me and watching them and seeing those muscles flex and strain as they're moving and seeing the uh, kinesthetics of how the muscle moves and the effect it has and the push and pull from each other. That was just fascinating to me. And I really started to get into it. And then the beauty was, and this is where geeks can get into it. You really get the personality of the wrestlers. And this is not in a way of um like if you've ever watched WWE, we're going to bring it down on Sunday because I'm the cream of the crap or any of that nonsense or you disrespected my family. So I need to kill you. Right. Uh, I, I, I have to I, I have to uh, just add a quick aside here that yes. uh, you, you quoted the macho man, Randy Savage, and then called him nonsense. No, ma'am. Absolutely. He <laughs> I, is not nonsense at all. He is the greatest there ever will be he is the cream of the crop um but um there's more than just he uh and and i was actually referring to ronda rousey with the whole you just respected my family nonsense uh there's none of that nope it's all they're all there for the same reason um they as for instance so the the where they wrestle is a big clay dais it is about what two feet off the ground uh, two, three feet? Four? About a meter, about three feet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, if you fall, you could hurt yourself. And there's a lot of falling and tossing out of the ring. And a lot of times you'll watch the wrestlers and they're struggling, doing whatever they can. They're smacking each other in the face. They're pushing each other out. They're elbowing each other. They're grabbing. And then just when they get them out of the ring, they'll catch the other wrestler if they can to prevent them from falling mm-hmm. and help them up. And are you okay? And the... 
and the 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 fighting stops and they turn into friends. Well, there was the because they are friends because it's yeah. a very small community. There's only 42 guys in the top division and they all know each other. Yeah. They all know because they they train every day together. But there is the 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 one case I think from last July where um in the initial contact at the start of the match, uh the one guy hit his head and herniated a disc in his neck and he lost out lost consciousness in like they're wrestling. Like he hits his head against his partner's chest. He loses consciousness. The other guy scoops him up in his arms, walks him to the edge of the ring, puts him down very gently, and then puts a hand on his shoulder and talks to him to make sure he's okay. And then made sure that the referee saw and that the 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 ringside judges saw, so that the paramedics could come to take care of his friend. He just helped him down yeah. ever so slightly, and that to me is my favorite thing. Because it's not a personal vengeance. It's not, uh, I'm angry with you. It's, I am competing. And there is an, uh, we see this a lot in, um, I'm going to reference an anime, One Punch Man, because we did a whole episode about it. One Punch, One Punch Man, the whole th- reason he goes out to fight people is he wants to find somebody who is worthy, somebody who is a challenge. And he gets disappointed when he can't find a challenge. Mm-hmm. And when he finds somebody that he thinks might be a challenge, he gets very excited. And that is the focus. It's not enough to be good at something. But when you are comparing yourself, you want to compare yourself to somebody who is equally good. It's not enough for me to go around and beat up all the people. You know, if I'm going to use Aikido here. It wouldn't be good for me to go around and beat up all the yellow belts. But for me to go against other shodans. I, I believe the the phrase, we just heard this the other night. I thought it was a great way of putting it, that um, I don't fight to be better than you, I fight to be better than I was. Yes, I fight to be better than me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the only way I'll know that is by m- matching myself against people that are a challenge, that are good in what they do. So as a, as a little dude involved in martial arts, I fight a lot of big dudes and girls, and um, I started watching sumo to find... I wanted to see how the little guys in sumo match up against the big dudes and how they win. Like, what techniques are they using and how are they able to move their, these very big, very, very strong athletes? And I started noticing that the techniques they use and the techniques I use are all the same. Like, they're mm-hmm. adapted a little different because, of course, this is a competitive sport and mm-hmm. our style is not competitive but the root of the techniques are all the same. And there's a very particular way in how they apply them. I started to apply it to some of my martial training, and you know, in conjunction with my teachers, to make sure that I was still sticking with our style. But the 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 theory is sound, and mm-hmm. uh, because it's been practiced for a thousand years, so it's been perfected to a to a degree, and that really fascinated me, and that's why I started watching. And then I fell in love with the sport and the culture, and like you said, the personality of the wrestlers. And you are the trash talking in other fight sports. It's such really, a turn off. Really, yeah, you're right. It's a huge turn off. The I can't shake your hand because you disrespected my family. It's like, who cares? And I know they do it because it sells tickets. I I know they do it because it sells pay per views. And I know that's why because uh, you want to feel that you're going to watch a good fight. And when these two guys hate each other, you know they're going to bring a lot to the ring. Well, let me tell you something, sports fans. The fights where I'm mad, I'm not in control, and I'm afraid. So the techniques that I'm using in these fights where I'm really, really mad are not my best. The best fights I've ever had, the the one where I have really pulled out all kinds of crazy techniques, 
are the ones where I'm fighting my friends. But you know what? That's when I fight the hardest. That's when I hit the hardest because my friends expect it. And Nutty, I know you have a story about me and a particular friend, a third degree black belt, that when we get on the mats together, it's either you or the teacher who has to come and stop us because we're like Jack Russells. We'll give each other a heart attack chasing they, that ball. They are 100% Jack Russell Terriers playing um, and will play till they pop their eyes out. I mean, it is it is insane. But it's also quite beautiful to watch. You know, but it's it, great when you find somebody whose energy matches your own and you can just have fun with. We have good energy. We love each other. We trust each other. And I know that I can hit him as hard as I want. And I know that exactly what's going to happen is he's going to hit me as hard as he wants next. So we we play within that level of respect. But I also know that if I went to my training partner and just went four out of ten and just didn't even try, I would get a, hey, what's wrong with you? Yeah. What are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? Come on, let's go. Harder. And if you didn't pick up, it would be considered an insult. Yeah. When but, you start training, one of the hardest things to get over is the idea that you might hurt someone because we don't, nobody wants to hurt someone or, okay, most people don't want to hurt someone. There are people out there that that's what they want and that is a mental illness, uh, but most people do not want to hurt people. We generally, humans are generally nice people who don't want to hurt. I find, I, I see that a lot as well with bigger practitioners of the Oh, very arts. much, because they're so scared of their own size. Right. And then I well, I remember one guy, a yellow belt, who was like, I'm like, okay, I want you to grab my arm and grab really, really hard. He goes, well, I don't want to hurt you. I'm like, I think I'm okay. He goes, well, I'll leave a bruise. I'm like, you won't be the first. Yes. Like, I'm asking you to do this to prove a point. And then he clamped on really hard and fell over. He said, how'd you do that? I said, physics. Exactly. And that, that's the thing. It's just math, man. It's And that's the hardest thing to teach our, our kids that we teach. Because, especially because they're always told that they're not supposed to hurt people and they're not supposed to touch other people. And th this is when we have to have the whole conversations about consent. Because we are consenting to this experience. Everyone that goes in is consenting. There's no, you have to fight this person. I don't want to. Well, suck it up. Sweep the leg, Johnny. Like that just doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> Good call. Um, but, but it's, it's all about that consent. And once you get to the point that it's okay to use all that energy, oh, then it just gets fun. To bring it back to sumo. Yes. This is why I love sumo. Yes. Because there's none of the sweep the leg, Johnny. No. There's none of the, uh, trash talking before and after. There's none of the, you know, 47 minutes of next week at SummerSlam. There's no press conferences to talk about. Well, you know what? I would like to dedicate this fight uh, to his family, which I'm going to orphan his children. So I would also like to stake my intentions on his wife. You know, there's none of this crap. There's no kidnapping Miss Elizabeth. Exactly. No kidnapping Miss Elizabeth. No George the Animal Steel ripping turnbuckles apart with his teeth. No uh, Conor McGregor throwing ladders through buses and ruining somebody's career with shards of glass to the eye. Nobody getting assault charges. There's none of this junk. And in the actual practice of watching sumo as North Americans, we're very lucky in this world of the internet. We have, uh, do we name them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Shout, shout out to, okay, I can name four. Our, our four teachers. Well, our, 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 our four go-to channels. Right. Well, first I was going to say mm -hmm. our access is there are some channels on YouTube 
that will take all of the matches and cut them down and show you just the fights. Mm. And you can watch them. And you have the option of watching in Japanese or watching the English broadcast. So 42 wrestlers gives you 21 fights in a day. Mm-hmm. They'll distill it down to about 20 minutes worth of TV. And you the, the English channel is? Uh, to watch all of the fights is from our friend Moti from Israel. So the channel is Kintanayama. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a mouthful, but just look up the sumo and, and you'll find it. But he distills all of the matches down to about a 20-minute video. And now he's been doing another one. He's been doing the quickie version. Mm-hmm. So it's even less. If you have a shorter attention span than the two of us with ADD and ADHD. Yeah, it's down to about 13 minutes, yep. 13, 14 minutes for a day's worth of matches. And then they'll do every two months, you get 15 days worth to watch. So after not even a year of um, watching Sumo... And we'll get into the ranking system in a minute. Uh, well, I guess I can just... When you're in these matches, based on your outcomes for those 15 days, we'll determine if you move up or down in the system. Yeah, so if you go up, you fight harder opponents. If, if you do bad, you go down lower ranks to fight lower ranking dudes. And w- the top division is in English. Well, we started noticing some of our favorite wrestlers were going into that lower division. And we wanted to watch it. So we have, there is a, a channel that, uh, takes all the broadcasts. They're in Japanese and puts them out on YouTube. Right. And that is. Now he will add English stats yep. and little English subtitles to talk about like a, you know, who won or who lost or who did something really cool. But it's just text on the page. Yeah. That is Nato Sumo. Yep. Uh, Nato's from Finland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an and awesome channel. So you can watch the Jurio division, sorry, the, the lower division, and you can watch those wrestlers as well. So we we probably spend about a half hour to 40 minutes per day watching this during those 15 days. Uh, generally, a little bit more because we have to talk about another channel. Well, I was just talking about the straight watching. Yeah, now, so just for watching, most people... Just watching the match, we'll watch about 30 to 40 minutes of sumo a day. Uh, but most people would watch that 13 minutes, uh, the compressed... Mm-hmm. And so we're very lucky that we have this access and we're able to do this. And uh, anybody looking at this going, well, they're just stealing the TV feed. No, they have permission to do this mm-hmm. from NHK, the Japanese national broadcaster. So this is um, this is sanctioned. So they're not, uh, don't worry, they're not stealing a feed. You're not watching something illegal here. It's not like a pirated movie or nothing. And NHK puts some of this live on their own website. Um, it's embedded in their website. It's not on YouTube. Um, but they kind of only do the top of the top division. Yeah. Cause the English broadcast is only, it's like an hour block or an yeah. hour and a half block in their programming, in their programming day. So wherever, wherever they are in the schedule, you're going to get an hour and a half of sumo and then they're going to cut to the news. So yeah. So, I mean, it is something that they want people to watch. I do not feel like we are stealing, um, that I, don't think they monetize the uh, the broadcasts that we're watching. I don't they think don't so. turn on monetization because we don't see ads, and trust me, we see a lot of YouTube ads. So we watch a lot of YouTube. They're not being monetized or anything no. like that. It's not a theft thing. And then as we kept watching, we got more. We wanted to know more. Well, one of the I have to say is the first person I started watching on YouTube when I was watching Sumo. Okay. As an American English teacher living in Japan, his name is Jason. The channel is Jason Sumo. Oh, he's an English teacher? Absolutely. Oh, okay. I, why did I think he was in programming? I think he teaches high school. Mm, interesting. Um, but Jason uh, is just a, just a regular Joe. Oh, living. Jason. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. 
I was thinking Chris. Keep no. going. We'll talk about Chris in a bit. Okay. So Jason, just a regular American Joe, living in Japan, making a living, loves sumo. And he actually like puts his webcam in front of his monitor. So you're watching it from his monitor scan or his TV with scan lines and all. And it just, he adds his comments, but he does a very good job of translating and teaching and helping you understand. And he is, my passion was ignited by his passion. If you hang around passionate people, you, their, their passion becomes infectious. And, uh, that's what I like about Jason. He's a, he is a wonderful fan and a great ambassador to the sport. And, oh, I'll tell you another thing I love about Sumo and all the commentary and commentators that we watch. They all support one another. Nobody cusses. Yeah. There's not any bad language of any no. kind. This is, this isn't PG. This is G rated. There was a wrestler that swore. Either in the November match or the September match. I can't remember. But after they were thrown, they swore when they got up and they got sanctioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was a, I think it was like the Japanese equivalent to an S-bomb. He basically said poop. Yeah, yeah. As he, as he got up. Darn it. Darn it. And, uh, yeah. Taco. Taco. Yeah, you're, hmm. The code of conduct they have is very, would be considered incredibly severe in Mm -hmm. all other sports, but, it's there for a reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. These are supposed to be samurai warriors. They're supposed to be strong enough to defeat gods yeah. in their mythology. So why would you trash talk if I can beat a god? And I'm going to say on top of that, so swearing is is almost nil, except for that one wrestler. And he swore in Japanese, so it's okay. Um, and um, you're not seeing anything. Like, you think the Mawashi is, sorry, the... The belt that they wear, you think that it's very small. It's really not. It's quite large and it covers everything. And they have lots of rules around it to the point that if it starts to come undone, the ref will stop them and fix it right. so that they can continue. No. So yeah, I have a point here. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so there's, there's, you're not going to see anything inappropriate. It's not horribly bloody. Even when somebody maybe gets a little bloody, it does happen. Uh, from time to time, it's a rarity. It's not like a table, tables, ladders, and chairs thing. Um, it's not as bloody as boxing. Uh, I really, boxing is hard for me to watch. It's uh, but, very bloody. Right. Like, um, there are some matches that turn into a slobber knocker slap fest because slapping is, is legal. Yeah. And there are guys that have had broken noses and there is blood, but, but it's, it's nothing, it's nothing too extreme. And it's, it's pretty mild compared to other. It's a 30, it's a 30 sports. second match, not 12 three minute rounds. Exactly. And, um, so this is something that kids can watch too. Absolutely. Back to the belt. Yes. Uh, the one in, there's an interesting rule with that as well. Well, yes. let's say we're fighting each other mm-hmm. and my belt comes undone. Yes. And I suffer a loss of modesty, as they call it. I love that term. If I suffer a loss of modesty from my belt becoming undone, I automatically lose. Yep. Because it's my fault that me and my attendants and my my training partners didn't tie it properly. That's true. And the way that it's tied is fascinating because even if the knot becomes undone, the way the 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 layers of the because the belt has got to be a good ten yards long. Yeah, there's a a great video of a wrestler getting his belt in in the new color cherry blossom, and him running down just touching the silk. It's about a meter high, and, and a good ten meters long it, at least because they the 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 other wrestlers holding it up were stretched across the their room. training area. Yeah. 
and 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 even curved to a bit because it was just that long. Mm-hmm. And they they wrap this thing around themselves and. Even if, the, excuse me, even if the knot becomes undone or they, they flip it around mm-hmm. all dibbity-boo, um, you're not going to see anything. No. And, you know, don't... Um, there are some people I know that um, refuse to watch sumo because like, it's fat guys in thongs. And to those guys... Or I, in diapers. I yeah, hate when Fat guys in that. diapers. And uh, to those people, I have to say, get over it. Mm. Get over it. Guess what? The Greeks, in the, the Greeks in the original Olympic Games used to box naked. Yep. And honestly, if you've seen... If you've seen a WWE match, you've seen more skin. Oh yeah, in those little in those in those little those little old fashioned like bikini wrestling wrestling t- uh, shorts. Uh, Stone Cold reveals more. Yeah, Stone Cold showed more skin than these sumo guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so yeah, so Jason Sumo is uh, good for your day to day match analysis. I will say, um, if I were getting into sumo. And I only had Jason. I'm not sure I would have gotten in as well as I did. Well, from Jason, I then discovered Nato. Yes. And then from Nato, I discovered Moti. And then we discovered... Chris. Chris. You want to explain Chris? If you're listening to this, we owe you the biggest debt of gratitude. Chris is a young English... Beer and Chonko, my friend. Beer and Chonko on us anytime. All you can eat and more. Jace, Chris, excuse me, is a young Englishman who, as a young boy, saw the only time sumo was done outside of Japan, and it was done in England at Lord Albert Hall, uh, Prince Albert Hall, mm-hmm. in 90, 1990 or 1991, and he saw it as a young boy of about 10 or 11, I think he said. And that ignited his passion for the sport, because he went with his dad, and he started collecting the catalogs, and he met the wrestlers and got their autographs, and... um he moved to Japan. He has a job there. And now he goes to the matches every day. He films the matches from his particular vantage point totally legally and then gives you probably the best English language insight into the sport because he's there all day. He watches all the lower division matches. He has his finger on the pulse of the sport. His Japanese is impeccable, but he talks to us in English and we learn so much about the sport from him and his insights because he's part of the clubs he is involved in the culture he gets to talk to the wrestlers see the wrestlers but also talk to the other fans because the beauty of sumo unlike other sports is like these guys show up to the they show up to the wrestling matches it's only the higher ranked like champions who get to come into the back and avoid the fans and go mm-hmm. right to the locker rooms. Everybody else walks in the same front door you did. So when you're on the train going to the matches, and he has plenty of opportunities that, mm-hmm. you know, hey, there's a fat dude in traditional garb taking the train with me. Hey, are you? Hey, I recognize you. You're this guy. You're fighting in the tournament. Good luck today. And you'll just have just a, an on-the-street encounter. Yes, because they are part of the culture like that's that's all part of it is that these are people that are part of our culture and part of our communities um i what i think is really fun i I want i want the listeners to close your eyes for a moment not if you're driving but close your eyes for a moment and think about sumo what is an image that comes in your mind now there's two that might come in your mind one is maybe a cartoony version of a a round man in in their their belt or you might be thinking of a black and white photo of a massive sumo wrestler staring down, bent over, looking at a smaller sumo wrestler. 
a tiny little dude. And the, the, the dude is as wide as the photo. He is mm. massive. And that was taken at the match. In London. The, in London Absolutely. that Chris saw that made him fall in love with sumo. And that wrestler was actually born in Honolulu. And he's Samoan. Yes. And he is? His name is Konishki. Um, his name is very hard. It's Salavela something in, in Samoan, which I don't speak. I don't speak Japanese either. But We apologize, um, Konishki. At the time, he was the heaviest wrestler the sport had ever seen. Now I think he's the second or third because there's been a couple bigger ones. But his nicknames, I love his nicknames. His nickname was the Dump Truck okay, or the Meat Bomb. That's fair. <laughs> now, he made it to Ozeki. They really thought he was going to make it to Yokozuna. Grand and for, champion, yeah. Yeah, so grand champion is Yokozuna, and, and, and Ozeki is basically your champion. It's like the top. It's, it's the top. And the idea of having a grand champion is there does not always have to be one, no. and there have been many years without one. This is someone who is so good at the support, in the in the they get the in the lifetime 80s, in the eighties and nineties he was the first non Japanese to make it to the rank to that high high rank yeah and he was tipped he was he should have made it mm-hmm. to grand champion but there's a lot of politics involved but in instead every sport. it was another uh, another person from Hawaii who was the first non Japanese Akebono which was Akebono and this guy in that photo is. Still coaching. Mm-hmm. He's still in the sumo world. Uh, he is constantly changing his hair color from bright different colors, and I love it. He does interviews all the time, and mm-hmm. I love that he still has his traditional like Hawaiian Samoan Pacific Islander accent mm-hmm. uh, in his English, and he's just the happiest dude. He's so cool. He's willing to talk to anybody, and we'll just talk sumo and tell you the God's honest truth. He he's, does uh, television programs. He teaches Japanese kids to speak Japanese on yeah. TV, on NHK. Uh, and and he is just wild. And he's talked to some of the, the YouTubes mm-hmm. that we've talked about. So um, I believe he's talked to Chris. I know he's talked to Kintanyama, and he's talked to another that we're going to talk about yeah, in a so, minute. Um but I just want to finish up talking about Chris and saying, if you're ready to learn that culture, that's a great place to start. Every episode of his YouTube channel, because he'll do a, a video every day during the matches and then usually one a day with a couple skips in between in between the tournaments. But he is, they're basically little essays mm-hmm. and he'll pick a topic, you know, oh, I want to, today I want to talk about leg strength or today I want to talk about retribution or something and then he'll pick like a thing and then he'll highlight four or five matches and show you how it all links to his topic <laughs> it's kind of like a homily mm. but and and the beauty is he only ever uses his own footage mm-hmm. so he can never be copy striked no because he got copy striked before and they had to come up with a compromise and they're like you can film in the thing but you can't use any of our footage mm-hmm. um which is fine. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, more than fine. Now, you may be sitting here and going, nutty, tech, I don't want that detail. I am brand new. I don't know anything about this, but it sounds neat and you're really passionate. So I kind of want to learn a little more. Yep. And that's where we're going to send you to a new channel. Who's that, nutty? We're going to send you to Sumo Stew. Sumo Stew. Which we Let's add, uh, put a pin on that. Because we're going to have to talk about actual sumo Yeah, we're coming stew. back to the food of sumo. Okay. We will come back to that, awesome. I promise. Move on. Look, this is a Nutty Bites episode. Do you think you're getting out of here without talking about food? That's a really good point, Nutty. Let's <laughs> talk about food. But first, uh, but let's first. talk about sumo stew. Um, so uh, 
Sumo Stew is a newer fan. She's, do we know where she's from? She's, she lives in Japan mm-hmm. and her name is Ter. Yes, her name is Ter. And she is, uh, only got, I don't even know how many videos, but maybe about 30 or 40 videos. But they're all accessible and great for beginners. She talks about how she got into it, but mostly they're, they're short videos and they go into, this is what sumo is. This is what my first thoughts were and, and goes a little into why she's interested and all of that. And some of them are just memes. Some of them are just memes, but there's, there's one that if you watched wrestling, we keep going back to wrestling. Darn you, Vox, you've infected this podcast. <laughs> um, if you, uh, want to, if you've ever watched wrestling, you, there's a video there that talks about the one time there was an actual sumo wrestler doing a demonstration at the WWE. Right. When, when Akebono fought the big show yes. in a horrible sumo match of like the worst garbage you've ever seen. But she explains why it was done and what was done why and some history and why that was important. Yeah. If you want the story behind that iconic photo we were just talking about, she has a 13 minute episode that talks about it. If you hear people talk about somebody named Hakuho or who is the goat of sumo, she She's got a 10 minute video that's going to explain all of that mm-hmm. to you. And she does different wrestlers. She talks, she will talk to you about the sumo stew, about Chonko and its importance. She will talk to you about all of the different f- factors. Um, and then sometimes it's just memes. So if you want to see which sumo wrestlers can sing the best. Oh yeah. <laughs> or because they because a lot of them really like karaoke and some of them are very very good ikioi I'm looking at you. But I think my favorite video that she's done if I can digest yeah. for a second here. I I mean digress. Uh for just a second. Every wrestler throws salt on their way into the ring to mm-hmm. purify the ring of evil spirits, but there's one wrestler in particular that's known because he throws the smallest amount of salt ever. He grabs a little pinch in his fingers and he throws It's it. like two or three grains of sand and it's just pew, pew. And <laughs> then there's a wrestler known as the salt fairy. Oh, yeah. Tegetsuyoshi. Because when he grabs, he grabs, he empties the bin. He gets a big old mitt full of salt and he showers it all over the place and the crowd goes nuts every time he does it. But Sumo Stu did a video of the guy that throws the tiny little pew of salt and that's all she did is she added that sound effect of to a, a compilation supercut of his ring entrances for an entire tournament, and it's just watching Ugra walk into the ring going pew, pew, pew. It's really funny. Yeah. So if you want to learn, get to know the wrestlers, you want to learn about sumo, uh, if you want to look at a spotlight of uh, different wrestlers or other sumo theme uh, things or memes, Sumo Stew is a great place to start, and you're never going to feel like an idiot because it's very accessible. But tech, nutty, 10-minute videos, that's way too long. I don't have an attention span for that. Can you chunk it down even further? Yes, I can, wireless listener. Okay, after 50 minutes of talking, how can we chunk it down even further? Sumopedia. Sumopedia, you're right. I totally forgot about that so, one. So 
the Sumopedia is a series of two-minute or less videos done by NHK, Japan's national broadcaster, and each one teaches you one thing about sumo. What are the ranks? Why are they wearing those funny belts? Who's the dude in the pimp roads? What are they actually yelling at each other? What What are they eating? What are they eating? Why do they why does it look like this? Why does it look like that? Anyway, 2-minute videos, there's about an hour's worth, mm-hmm. I'd say of them, but you'll learn you'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot. And they're Absolutely. really fun. Um so let's get back to food. The uh, food of sumo. So, sumo follows a um they have a traditional training style. You're up at 5 in the morning, you do chores. There's chores to do. And then you start training. You train for about five or six hours until about lunch. You eat a huge lunch with beer to get all the protein and carbs that you need for the day. Then you pass out for a nap for most of the afternoon. You wake up in the early evening. There's more choring to do. Maybe you go to the gym and lift weights, or maybe you go for a bike ride, or you know, if you're the lower rank wrestlers, you have work around the the house to do. Then you go to bed early. And you wake up. And maybe you, you jump rope. Maybe you jump rope. Who cares? And then the next day, you do it again and again and again and again, seven days a week for as long as you can stay. But it's hard, brutally hard workouts. And mm-hmm. they need to put on that one. Like these guys need to eat 10,000 calories a day because of the, um, the, the, the six hour workouts, brutally hard workouts. So they need to replenish that energy and they need to grow big and strong. So the traditional food is a stew, a soup, a type of hot pot called chanko nabe, sumo stew. Well, you'll hear us call it chanko all the time. Yeah. Um, it's basically a broth. You, you, you got a, with the ginger and garlic and onion and stuff in it, just a broth. And then you dump the kitchen fridge into it. Yep. So normally you'll have like a bowl of like prepared meats and fishes and chickens and other vegetables and everything. You'll pour that into your bowl with some noodles or rice. Then you pour, you ladle the hot broth over it and eat your soup. It's just a really, really, really complicated jug of soup. It's, 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 you've got your broth. And if you've ever had ramen, hot pot, or pho, you you can understand this. Um, but it is not pho. It's not pho. It's not ramen. It, but it's you know adjacent. Yes. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm trying to give touchstones here. Um, and then you've got three kinds of protein at least. Usually you've got fish, chicken, beef. Sometimes you'll have shellfish, other things, pork. Um, and then you've got uh, your. Don't forget um, soy. Uh, yes, tofu. Tofu, that's it. Yes. Uh, and then you've got your, well, I was going to put that in the vegetables, mm-hmm. but it is a protein. You're right. And then you've got your bok choy and your sprouts. Daikon and radish. Your daikon radish and all the other vegetables that we want to give you. So you're looking at. Oh, let's not forget shiitake mushrooms. Oh, you need the mushrooms for the umami, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're looking at vegetables, meats, and broth. Mm-hmm. And you may add noodles to it. And other things, but this is what they're eating, which is just basically, can I have all my food groups in one bowl? Yeah. And I've, <laughs> I've started making it in, in reduced human size portions mm. for just the two of us, but I've started making chonko. It's I, delicious. I think I'm getting good at I it. I think so. Uh, I think anybody so. listening, ask Vox what he thinks, because he had some at my house. I heard um, he said it was terrible. He said it was terrible. He also said that... Censorship is good. But I will say you are getting quite good at it and it is enjoyable. Um, in addition, when one wins a tournament, they often get lifetime or your yearly supplies of fish, meat, 
whatever the local food is at that town, because each of the tournaments traditionally are in different towns throughout Japan. Oh, yeah. And th- they, there's different sponsors and different cultural envoys. But like, you know, local fish market will donate fish for the year for the champion's stable. And then uh, you'll have like a picture of the champion in his tuxedo, in his tuxedo robes, looking very resplendent, holding up like two giant fish yeah. or something. Um, and then... There's the giant macaron. The giant macaron from the French embassy, which they, it's a lifetime, it's, it's a year's supply of sweets. It's cookies. It would be lifetime for anyone else, but it's yeah. a year's supply for it's, a stable. Right. It's French macarons, but, um, to present it to you at the award ceremony, they make one about the size of a welcome mat. It's about a foot thick maybe about a meter almost a meter around and they've got three or four different ones and there are actually some people that gamble on which color of cookie <laughs> is going to be presented will it be the green one or the gold one this year oh it's i don't the know blue or the pink oh yeah. it's the pink uh. and then when you go to a sumo match which we have not been able to but we would love to uh they have like really good food there yeah, there's a, a, apparently there's a there's there's a like a, a a roasted a roasted chicken skewer restaurant in the basement of the arena. Yeah, I'm in for that. I am in for all of this. Unfortunately, uh, most people that are going are not able to eat because you know COVID. Chicken skewers, heck yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, apparently they've closed the restaurant now and, and they, it'll stay closed until the the COVID's over. My belief is that if you want to know where the good places to eat are. Follow the sumo wrestlers. Yeah. Follow those sumo wrestlers. Um, Turns out it was just a fat dude in robes. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and by the way, every time we say fat, we do not mean it derogatorily. Uh, Fat is wonderful and fine. I am fat. And and the thing about that is that... um, they're really not that fat. No, they're just big. They're just huge. And you know, I am fatter than than most of them because I have more fat than muscle than they do. Most of them have a lot of muscle hiding under like, what appears as round. Like we're talking about a 350 pound man with less than 20% body fat. Like they are or a 350 pound man who can lift a 350 pound man. Yeah. Uh <laughs> they have um, body types more akin to um World strong men. Yeah. Yeah. You know, usable muscle with a lot of bulk and size as required by the rigors of their sport. When I read fantasy, this is how I pictured uh, giants or very large characters to be when they talked about the big strong men. I did not picture somebody from the cover of Men's Health. Right. I pictured somebody that is big and beefy but also roundish you know yeah yeah what's hilarious about those pro bodybuilder types is that when they're they're in competition trim they're so emaciated and dehydrated to give that muscular definition that they're actually at their weakest and they're covered in oil and and fake tan right and then they have to you know then they have to they rehydrate and they bulk up and they'll be 20 30 pounds heavier in training trim before they go to competition it's, That's not good. No. Uh, but I, I just wanted to be clear that every time you hear us say fat on this podcast, not just this episode, but any episode, it is not a derogatory term. It's no different than tall or short. It's a thing. It's a thing. Some people are fat. Some people are thin. I'm, ge- I'm Some getting fat. Some people are average. Kind of. Uh, but getting there. Uh, back to sumo. Back to sumo. Uh, I talked about how great the characters are because you get to know the people. You get to know... 
uh, oh, this one's a gamer or this one likes to sing karaoke or this one likes to use judo in the ring. Mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned uh, on this topic, yeah, uh, you get to know their personalities and you get to know them. Yeah. There's a fourth reason I've realized why people get into, oh, get yes. into sumo. Some of them are really, really attractive. That's where I was headed. Yeah, I could tell. So there's one particular wrestler I'm thinking of that looks like he belongs in a boy band. (laughs) He is very pretty. There's a couple. And when I talked about the goat earlier, he is also seriously attractive. He's got Uh, that smolder, though. Oh, no, you want you want smolder. Yeah. And Glare, that is our current grand champion. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, because he's got that little lean when he gets into yeah, his yeah, fighting stance. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty great. Um, but yeah, there are some really attractive wrestlers. And as you watch them wrestle and you see how they move and you see their thighs, you can say, Oh, yeah, he's attractive too. You know, and it, it, there are a lot of, um, friends, wireless listeners, as this his het dude, I can tell you. Some of these guys are pretty attractive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 nobody's that cishet. Um, <laughs> but when you watch the stands, oh. when you watch the stands, there's a lot of fans that you know are there for not just oh that's my favorite wrestler. It's oh that's my favorite wrestler. Oh, there are definitely there are definitely some people in the audience that are there making the dreamy eyes at their favorite wrestlers and um. It it knows no bounds. Sometimes it's dudes, sometimes it's ladies, well, it's, sometimes it's anybody there. Yeah. And you know, I, I as the cishet dude, if you were face to face with one of those dreamy men that you were just talking about. Like nobody's that cishet. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's pretty wild. They all have they have fan supporters and clubs and organizations and people get to meet them and there's a lot of interaction and you can get just like maybe your favorite boy band you could get their pictures towels with their names on it banners cushions pillows my favorite is how they autograph things oh tell them about the autographing they just put ink on their hand and they give you a handprint and then they calligraphy their name over their handprint. Uh, they're only allowed to produce them while they're wrestling. Once they're retiring, they're not allowed to do any more. And it's only the top two divisions that are allowed to make them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to, you know, actually meeting some of these wrestlers. I know that if I had a chance to, let's say, meet one on the train or meet one outside the thing or there's an autograph signing or a, a supporters thing and we go to Japan and I get to meet one of my favorite wrestlers, I would practice my Japanese I would get a dialect coach. I would bribe Chris or Moti or somebody with enough chonko and beer to teach me the proper Japanese. And I would go up to my wrestler and I would go. (laughs) And I would just be completely tongue tied and starstruck because look in their culture. These guys are gods, like literal gods on earth. And they are treated with that respect by everyone. Even the foreigners. Yeah. If they can hack it in the sport, guess what? You're a god too. And I kind of admire that a lot about the sport. For a country that is more known for not accepting outsiders as much, the fact that no, you are Japanese. You, they will give them Japanese. They are able to apply for Japanese citizenship. And if they do, they take their sumo name as their Japanese name. A lot of them do. And, um, 
it's it's definitely a you're you know we've adopted you sort of a thing and i think that is, is beautiful um we could keep talking for more hours if um, you ever visit us we will we talk will for many more and hours. we've bored our friends to tears about this uh so much so that uh a handful of them have joined our very first fantasy sumo right where we've we've drafted a handful of the wrestlers before the upcoming tournament in a couple of days and we're going to watch them over the 15 days and see who wins uh we're not winning anything other than pride um, this is just a, a, there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to win. It's just a fun way to enjoy the matches every day because now you have a little bit more investment. Um, it's fantasy football for Sumo. Japanese wrestler dudes. Yeah. So like I said, we could talk about this forever and possibly convert people, but this is just our taste and we thought we'd share it with all of you. The, um, the next tournament starts on, is it the it's the ninth. The ninth. The ninth. And those will be up on YouTube. And hopefully I have this edited so it comes out before then. If you're listening to this after January 9th, 2022, it, it's every two months from January on every two months. And you can jump in and watch at any point. If anybody wants to talk to us about Sumo, mm-hmm. start a conversation on the Facebook group. Start a conversation on the Discord. Yeah, Tackle will more likely see it on the Discord than the Facebook group. I will more likely see it on the Discord, but send us a message. Yeah. Let us know what you thought of the day's matches. Or, hey, I don't understand what's going on. Like, why is the dude in the in the orange robes just so pimp? <laughs> well, yeah. that, well, that's because he is, and they're because awesome. He is. Uh, if you want to tell me, uh, wow, uh, I really think this wrestler's cute, we will listen to you. Absolutely. And uh, you're wrong on... Well, no, they're probably right. <laughs> they're probably, it's probably gonna. Be, well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. If you, if all you want to do is rank them in order of hunkiness, I would like to see how your scale ranks compared to mine. I'm and very if interested. you want to see the most adorable thing, just go to YouTube and type Re- "sumo wrestler cries after winning," and that's all I'm going to say. Oh, all right. So let us know what is something that you're passionate about that you feel like you are the only person in your friend group that enjoys this. That's what we want to hear about next. Can it be nerdier than sumo? I don't know. I I double dog dare you. (laughs) We'll have to see. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk to you all later. Bye, everybody. And before I go completely, I do want to thank our patrons, without whom I would not be able to pay that very large bill that came in this month uh, for our server fees. I would not be able to pay for the software that I use or any of the other stuff. So thank you so much for keeping this show going. I want to thank our top tier patrons, our Yokozunas, if you will, so far, um, or at least our Ozekis. Uh, that would be Jack's. Jason and Rich the TT. And then our, our Komsubis and Sekiwakis. I want to thank, uh, Andy Luke, M- Mark Cabot, the encaffeinated one, Melissa, the bathtub mermaid, the radical geek, and Susanna. And for all of the rest of the Rikshi, I want to thank all of you for helping support us and keep us going because you are the lifeblood. You are the chanko of this podcast. So thank you so much to Shane, Cliff, Greg, Harold, Hugh, Ian, Justine, Ken, Kinsey, Mike, 
Patrick, Stephen, Tibby, Will, and Zach Mann. Thank you so much, all of you. You are all fantastic people. And I, I, I know this was for last, uh, go around, but I also want to make sure that I send a good thank you to Dare. Um, thank you so much. Have a great new year, everyone, and enjoy your hobbies. Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-Nutty42.